Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox has made the decision not to file charges against the two officers who shot and killed 13-year-old Adam Toledo and 22-year-old Anthony Alvarez. The two died in separate incidents nearly a year ago. Their deaths sparked outrage over police use of force and led to protests calling for police accountability and changes to the city's foot pursuit policy. Burden of proof in a criminal case is much different than a burden of proof used to determine whether policy violations will lead to adverse employment consequences. But Fox also acknowledged the pain her decision is causing their families. The grief on their mothers and their fathers' faces was almost unbearable. They seem resigned to the decision that my office made, but they were unmistakably heartbroken. Why is it that police officers are so rarely prosecuted for on-duty shootings or killings, and even fewer are convicted? So joining us with his analysis is Craig Futterman, a clinical professor at University of Chicago Law School and founder of the Civil Rights and Police Accountability Project at the U of C's Mandel Legal Aid Clinic. Hi, Professor. Welcome back. Hey, good morning, Tasha. Thanks so much for having me back. Were you surprised by State's Attorney Kim Fox's decision to not file charges against either of these officers? I wasn't, um, but I'll say, I'll start with this. CPD murdered Adam Toledo and Anthony Alvarez, and the families have every right to seek accountability for the murders of their kids. Um, There is a real difference, and I think this is important, between Officer Stillman and Solano, but CPD is responsible in both cases. Um, Stillman, he didn't intend to kill Adam Toledo. He was doing exactly what he was taught to do by the police department, which is to chase and get the bad guy. In this case, the so-called bad guy the CPD told him to get was a 13-year-old boy. And this death and these both of these deaths are really deaths that show systemic problems and systemic racism as opposed to just simply bad acts of individual actors. Adam's death highlights exactly how dangerous foot chases are. It shows why you don't chase someone by yourself at 2 or 3 in the morning in an area of limited visibility where you can't see. There's no doubt that Adam Toledo was killed. When he was killed, he posed no risk to anyone. He died with both of his hands up in the air. No reason he had to die. But there's equally no doubt that Stillman wasn't trying to kill Adam Toledo that night. Glad to talk about Solano because that's a different story, but let me pause. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get to the the difference here with Solano. One thing that uh, Fox did uh, use to join them together, she says that they both may have violated the department's foot chase policies, especially... Officer Solano, who, as we mentioned, is the one who shot Anthony Alvarez. Professor, what evidence do you think needs to be present in order to criminally charge an officer for a shooting? Yeah. Um, It's it's complicated. So, I mean, the law in Illinois and the law for charging um, an officer for an excessive use of force is a high standard. And the criminal standard for prosecuting an officer is beyond a reasonable beyond a reasonable doubt and the question really in both cases is whether the prosecutor could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the shootings were not necessary not necessary to protect life to save a life or to save someone from serious bodily injury and that's a high standard um, but when you're talking about charging someone with murder it's right that there's a high standard do you feel like the officers, uh, Stillman and Solano, that they acted in line with the department's use of force policy? Uh, here's where you can dig into 
some of what you noticed, particularly with Solano versus Stillman? Yeah. Um, no. Um, and, and those are, those are as, as State's Attorney Fox said, those are two very different questions, too. Well, let's talk about Solano first, because Solano is a very different story from Stillman. Different mindset. Solano is also doing exactly what CPD wanted him to do. In this case, though, that's to stop, harass, and lay hands on young brown men in Latino neighborhoods. There's absolutely no legal reason for doing so. No legal reason, no policy reason. And it's absolutely no surprise that Anthony took off running. Solano's decision to chase Anthony even more alarming because there's no reason to even stop him in the first place. There's very little of what Solano did that night that can be characterized as reasonable, much less necessary. <clears throat> no emergency, no immediate threat to anyone's safety. Matter of fact, he manu manufactured the so-called emergency. But when we're talking about policy, um, and as I said, these are systemic killings, um, we can't forget that there was no foot pursuit policy. Um, the mayor and CPD had long known of the desperate need for such a policy, but chose not to implement one until they were finally forced to do so. I mean, these inherent dangers and foot pursuits. That's not new to any of us. The Department of Justice documented CBD's desperate need for a policy more than six years ago. Mm -hmm. People in the community have been demanding it years before that. Well, where are we at a year later on that foot pursuit policy? Yeah, um, where, we're at, where, where we're at later is that CPD proposed a new foot pursuit policy that's up for public comment now. Um, it's much better. First, let's start. It's better because it's actually a policy, but it remains seriously deficient. And a big reason is that with other parts, just like with other parts of the consent decree, the police department has resisted any meaningful community engagement with the people most impacted by these policies in developing those policies. That's another conversation about trying to check the community engagement boxes, but CPD has had with these, these so-called deliberative dialogues, which have been more in the line of kind of dog and pony shows in which it's not forced to actually engage impacted people. And it continues to fight to keep folks out of the room where it really happens. But as a result, the policy itself, the proposed policy, still fails to fully appreciate the, prov the proven inherent dangers in foot chases. Um, and it fails to limit, it to limit them to circumstances in which there really are immediate threats to people or property. And there's a part of the policy that really should alarm anyone, and I mean anyone who hopes to end these killings and racial discrimination and profiling by the police department, because it specifically, the policy itself specifically encourages chases of people who run, quote, unquote, unprovoked in, quote, locations known for criminal activity, when people run in black and brown neighborhoods. And, you know, we can talk about CPD's flawed, flawed data and refusal to document, and, and one of the big issues has been the refusal to even document when they chase people. The policy also resists requiring officers to document each foot chase in something called a foot pursuit report mm -hmm. to actually ensure that there be a real record in tracking, much less requirements to report this information to the public so that we can monitor and see um, that CPD is actually following policy. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're discussing State's Attorney Kim Fox's decision to not file charges against the two officers who shot and killed 13-year-old Adam Toledo and Anthony Alvarez, who's 22. This happened almost one year ago. Our guest is University of Chicago law professor and police accountability expert Craig Futterman. Professor, let's talk about tasers for a moment. Both 
Toledo and Alvarez would more than likely still be alive if they'd been used. Why aren't police using tasers more often? One of the issues has been um, that police have used tasers far too often, and police in Chicago, matter of fact, and they got in trouble by the Department of Justice for doing just that, by treating tasers as a tool of compliance instead of saying, stop, please, as opposed to, and this is, I think, the point of your question, as opposed to seeing tasers as also um, a deadly weapon, albeit a less deadly weapon than, than guns, but an alternative that can be used instead of actually shooting people. Um, I don't know that taser that that tasers um, would would have been the answer in either in either of these in either of these cases, um, but definitely tasers have been a tool that have been abused by um, by the police department and also have not been used when they should be used as an alternative to mm-hmm. guns um, and when they actually could. Well, remember, an important element in both cases was that they were shockingly caught on video, right? Do you think those videos ultimately ended up helping the officers? Interesting question. Um, You know, what what I'd say, and and I think what's really note, and this is about the video, too, and, and this is important about that that we got to note some progress that with public, increased public scrutiny with these videos and this goes back to the release of the video since the murder of Laquan McDonald um, it's important to note that CPD is actually killing and inflicting far less violence on people than before the release of those videos before the release of that video of the murder of Laquan McDonald still way too much but way down from what it was I mean, CPD killings are about a quarter of what they were at the time that Jason Van Dyke murdered Laquan McDonald they're averaging about 50 a year, now about 12 to 14 people a year are killed by the police. But one thing hasn't changed, and that's that about 8% of Chicago police victims of violence are black. And so the thing to me, Sasha, that most needs to change is CBD's mindset for officers to actually see black and brown children who they are, as our children. I was a member of this community use of force working group, and one of the things that we stressed was the critical importance to CBD as a matter of policy to prioritize the sanctity of all human life. That means prohibiting force unless absolutely necessary, and it means when officers have to use force, always using the least amount of force necessary. Duty de-escalate, duty intervene. And I got to say the CPD took, at, only because of the insistence of this community working group, some positive steps in that direction, but a long way to go, because it really requires a mindset change. Um, and officers led by the FOP continue to resist and deny that need for change. The dominant mindset is still kick butt, take names instead of getting physical, only a last resort. The need to see actually your mind as a greatest tool. How do I calm that situation down? How do I de-escalate conflict? And that mindset starts with the ability to see black and brown children just as they see their own. That's how you prioritize the sanctity of all human life. Let's get back to talking about the families. Uh, Toledo's family immediately filed a wrongful death suit against the city yesterday. How strong is their case, Professor? Um, I think they I think they have an incredibly strong case against the city of Chicago for the reasons that I said that the city has long known for the need to have a foot pursuit policy, not just any foot pursuit policy, but an effective one. And knowing that actually and looking at CPD's own flawed data, knowing that 
was resulting in officers getting hurt. It was resulting in people getting hurt, people getting killed. CPD actively chose not to implement one. That's walking liability as a matter of practice and policy because it's CPD actually had a policy in place. And just as we were talking earlier about um, what happened, even though that individual officer, Eric Stillman, he had no intention of killing that, killing that young boy out there. He did do exactly what CPD trained him to do, which is to go out there and chase who CPD told him the bad guy was. If they had a foot pursuit policy, if they had an effective foot pursuit policy and an effective use of force policy at the time, Adam Toledo would be alive today. The Alvarez family has asked that uh, Officer Evan Solano be further investigated for another incident last May. He got into a traffic altercation in Logan Square and uh, confronted someone with a gun. That incident was also caught on video. So the thing is, Officer Solano has been stripped of his police powers, but is that enough? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think Solano 1 needs to be fired, and this is and this is what I said at the outset, that I think there's a real difference between Solano and Stillman in both these cases because of the mindset. With respect to Solano, you had someone, and just as you pointed to, that there's evidence that this isn't a standalone incident, um, and video evidence, indeed, of that, of, again, and evidence of a different mindset, and here, a criminal mindset, an intent to do harm, an intent to do violence, not simply to act reasonably and to shoot only when necessary. Um, I fully and wholly support taking further action against um, Officer Evan Solano, and I believe the facts support it in this case. We should mention that both families are expected to be attending a rally at 6 tonight, happening outside Federal Plaza, calling for uh, police accountability and for justice in the killings of Anthony Alvarez and, and Adam Toledo. Professor, can you... you know what, yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, and, and that's exactly right. Culture, the way in which you get this mindset or culture changes, it, it only happens with accountability. It only happens when you actually have both these policies that are in place to which officers can be held to account, and, um, as, and it only happens when officers begin to be held accountable for unnecessary violence, including dangerous foot chases. i got to give those, as someone as long advocate for police accountability, i got to give a shout-out to COPA because in the past year, under the leadership of Andrea Kirsten, COPA is actually holding more officers accountable than ever before in history when they abuse their power. And you know what? That's the kind of thing that will result and ultimately result in a change of culture when you have not just policy, not just words on paper, but actually something that is ultimately enforced. Let's see with what, what the CPD and the police board actually does with those recommendations from COPA. Um, because accountability, just as the, the families are demanding demanding. That is the way to change. If officers know that they can do what they did to these young boys with impunity, it will continue to happen as it has happened in the past. You mentioned earlier about Chicago police still being resistant to change. What do you think it's going to take to get the police department to embrace reform? Um, Again, Accountability, and I think that also, and I think that also means there's a federal consent decree in Chicago, and that means that the Chicago Police Department is under the um, supervision.
supervision of a federal judge, and it's under the supervision of a federal judge for a reason, because the police department has shown that it can't change unless they're forced to change. And so the ways in which I've actually seen change in Chicago, as little as it's been, it's been when people like not just the families, but people in the broader community stand up and speak out and actually force change to occur. That's how change occurs in Chicago. So it occurs when not just when CPD does it by itself, because they haven't, but when people from the outside, when ordinary people in the community have gotten up, stand up, spoken out, protested, forced their voices to be heard, and forced policymakers to listen. And it also, and it also begin, means leadership. And it means not just nice words, but actually putting actions behind those words. And that's where, again, accountability matters and matters more than anything else. When officers see that they will be held accountable, um, when they violate their powers, that's how you overcome resistance to change because guess what? No one wants in, in no one wants to be out of that job. No one wants to be out of work. It's a mighty good job that pays a heck of a lot that pays a heck of a lot of money. And when officers and we want officers and need officers who take that job and responsibility with the utmost seriousness. And those who resist and don't want and don't see public scrutiny or oversight as a part of that job have no business wearing that that badge and a gun. And so it also may need may mean that we need some different police officers out here. It's University of Chicago law professor and police accountability expert Craig Futterman. Thank you so much. Thanks so much again for having me, Sasha. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.